Uh, we welcome you this day. Glad all of you are here. Let us now prepare our hearts and minds for the worship of the living God. The Lord be with you. I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join me now for our call to worship. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies.
Oh God, how precious is your steadfast love. All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. O continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your salvation to the upright of heart. Our opening hymn of praise is number 98, To God Be the Glory. Let us sing together. God be the glory and great things he has done. And one of the things he has done is give us our forgiveness of sin when we confess our sins to him. So I invite you to join me for our prayer of common confession and then our silent personal confession. Let us pray. Almighty God, have mercy on us. On this day, we are called to love with our actions and not simply our speech. We have been called to love our neighbor, and we have not. We have all too often kept our resources for ourselves when others are in need. Forgive our lack of love. Lead us into a better place, and by your mercy, enable us to serve and sacrifice, as did your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.
Hear now the good news. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. I invite you now to share signs of reconciliation and peace with those around you. you uh, want to come join us here on the steps, come on up. Always great to see you all. Come on down. We're great to have you with us today. How are you all doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Come on down. Bring your crayons. Love it. You want to come on up? Come on. Well, good morning, everybody. Are you awake? Let's try that one more time. Good morning. Oh, man, it is so good to see you because today we're going to talk about one of the most important words in all the Bible, and that's simply love. Love. So do you ever say to your parents, I love you? Yeah. Do your parents ever say to you, I love you? That's right. That's such an important thing to say, and it's such a beautiful thing to say. And we need to say it. We need to hear it and just celebrate that all the time because everybody needs it. The Bible today is talking about the way that there is even more than that to loving. There's a verse that says that you and I are supposed to love not just about what we say, but we're supposed to love people by what we do. In fact, we're talking about that today, how one of the ways people feel loved is when you do things for them. So I, I have some things up here that can help us think about this. Do you all recognize any of this right here? Do you recognize what this is for? Canned food. Yeah, you know what we do with this all the time. We have a food pantry, and we collect food. Everybody brings in food, and we take it, and we sort it, and we organize it, and we send it to folks who just are hungry, don't have a meal, and don't have anything to eat. And you know what? Do you think that when we give somebody some food who's hungry, do you think they feel loved? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, here, I got another thing, another way that we remember that we love people. How many of you have gone to see the house outside? Have you seen it outside here? <clears throat> well, it's open if anybody wants to do a tour after church today. It's going to be open. But we've done a whole lot of work. And see, there's somebody who can't afford to live in a house. They don't have enough money, and they just don't have a place to live. So you know what we're going to do? We're building them a house. And do you think they're going to feel loved after that? Yeah. That's what the Bible says. Don't love just with what you say, love with what you do. Now we're going to be doing one more thing today. Uh, Your parents are all going to be filling out one of these cards in the weeks to come. And this is a way we um, tell God and everybody how we want to give of our money in the coming year. But you know, this is another way that we say, I love you, God, and I love the people around me. We call that being, you can read it in here, it says, love in action. Because we're supposed to love people with all that we do. So boys and girls, I hope you'll remember this, that it's very important to always say I love you to your parents, for your parents to say it to you. That's a great thing. And don't forget, it's also important to do things that help your parents and others know that you love them and that God loves them, okay? Let's put our hands together and say a prayer. Dear Jesus, thanks for a beautiful day. Thanks that you love me. Help me to love you with all that I do. Amen. Great to see you. We love you and can't wait to see you next week. Thanks, boys and girls.
all of you. She has been the executive pastor here. She has served in so many ways. She has been such a part of this congregation and also the director of the Pace Center. And she, we have asked her to say a word about her work here and a word about generosity and stewardship and all the Pace Center is doing. So Katie, we thank you for being here. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about stewardship. It's always exciting. Now, I'm going to say, right before I walked up here, Stephen Coldman dared me to sing a solo. And I'm too smart for that, so I'm not going to do that. But I am going to ask you guys to participate with me when I point in your direction. So you're going to know, I have faith, we can do this together. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, all creatures here below. What comes next? Alleluia. Alleluia. You'll have another opportunity. Praise God, the source of all our gifts. Praise Jesus Christ, whose power uplifts. Praise the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Remember, there's a third one there. Thank you. For many of you, this is a familiar tune. In fact, our youth rang part of that tune this morning. It is one that we sing when we lift up our gifts to God. If you really think about it, it is a remarkable moment where we are doing so many things all at one time. We are acknowledging the gifts that God has given us. We are committing those gifts back to God. And in doing so, we are praising God with alleluias. But when we do this together, it is not just those of us here in this church that are singing alleluia. We are joining a chorus that sings and praises God. A chorus that is not just across this world, but a chorus that involves the saints that have come before us. For close to 12 years now, I have played a number of roles here at Reveille pastor, ministry partner, nervous mother during children's time. And no matter what my role has been, there's always been one thing that I've really appreciated about Reveille. Reveille is a church of abundance. And it is a church of abundance because it has people in it who lift up their gifts for God to be at work through them. I stand here today and I see so many of those people. I see people who share their gifts of music and song every Sunday. People who go above and beyond to reach out a hand of welcome to anyone who graces these doors. I see people who make the story of God come to life in Sunday school and Bible study at small groups. I see people who take prayer seriously. And it enables the rest of us to be vulnerable as we lift up what God has put on our hearts. I see people who give their time and their talents in administrative committees like trustees and finance. I see people who give the gift of sight to folks in Honduras. People who make homemade meals for students at Pace or the folks of Friends of the um, Homeless. And I see people who give countless smiles and hugs to the community of Swansboro. I especially want to thank those people who give their creativity and their patience and their ability to connect with children every Sunday night and Sunday morning. I know my family is always very grateful for them. And last but not least, I see people who give their treasure so that Reveille has the resources to make all of this happen. Now, when I think of times that I have experienced God's love, it is almost always through the acts and generosity of somebody else. That's what I love about God so much, that God doesn't just show God's love on their own. God gives each and every one of us an invitation to be a part of sharing God's love. It's because of others that I know who God is and that God loves me. The generosity and the abundance of this church serves as a guide for me every day in my work at the Pace Center. For the past seven years, I have been the campus minister at VCU at a ministry called Pace. 
This semester alone, we've already welcomed over 800 students through our doors. And we have a few goals for every one of those students. We want them to feel loved, and we want them to know that God has given them, each and every one of them, a unique gift so they can share that love with others. And the only reason that we are able to do that ministry at Pace is because of churches like Reveille who are committed to supporting our ministry. Now today marks the beginning of a special season here at Reveille, the season of stewardship. It's actually a season that I really like. It is a time when we are asked to reflect on our gifts and to consider how is it that we are going to lift up those gifts up to God. Each fall, I find sitting down and calculating how much I will donate to be a holy and meaningful experience. I invite you this fall to join me in such experience and to seriously consider how you will donate your time, your talents, and your treasure this upcoming year. But I also want to invite you to do one other thing. I want you to think about how you experience God's love here in this church. Who is it that enables that to happen? And have you thanked them for it? We do that with our students at VCU. We say, have you identified how others are helping you to feel God's love? And are you thanking them for it? And so each time that we take to thank others for the way they enable God's love to work through them, I like to think of it as a chorus of Alleluia. We were singing together and we were thanking God and thanking them for enabling God to use them and for all of us to hear God's love. So I challenge you not to just sing a solo, but to individually thank others this fall. Thank you. I'm so appreciative of you, Katie, and uh, I think we're all offering a rousing hallelujah to you and to God through you. So. As we prepare to hear the scriptures offered this day, uh, let us offer the prayer for illumination, which is printed in your bulletin. Living God, help us so to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture reading this day comes from the book of First John, reading in the third chapter, verses 11 through 18. Will you listen now for the word of God? For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death, and all who hate a brother or sister are murderers, and you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding in them. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in action or in truth and action. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So can you name a time when you felt deeply loved? Maybe that's a hard one. Maybe it's easier to think about uh, an, 
a time you observed somebody else who was experiencing that, that deep state of love of which we speak. You know what? Either way, you know it when you see it. I'll tell you what, I saw it this past week. Um, many of you know I was away last weekend. I was uh, officiating at my niece's wedding in Nags Head, North Carolina. We had a gazillion family members there. A whole bunch of people were down there. It was a beautiful time and beautiful moments, wedding, reception, the whole thing at the beach. It was great. But of all the events, this one particular scene sticks out in my mind. Uh, It occurred at a barbecue with all the extended family there and all our friends there, and many of my sister's friends. And you need to know that my sister has gone through a very difficult divorce. It is a divorce that has lasted over 10 years. And it's been very hard on her, and it's been hard on her children. And you know how it is with a a wedding gathering. It potentially brings so many of those pain points to the surface. But something very special happened at this barbecue because six women were with my sister. They were in a, they've been in a small group with my sister for several years, and they journeyed to Nags Head, North Carolina, all the way from Champaign, Illinois. All of them came down. They drove down. They flew down. And they wanted to be a support for my sister. So at the barbecue, we went through all the stuff, and then there was this very special time of wait for it. Yes, karaoke. And you know what happened? These six women, in a spontaneous way, they literally grabbed hold of my sister, and they dragged her up to the front of this whole gathering. And one of them got in front of that big old karaoke machine with the screen, and she very deliberately picked out a particular song from the program. And then they embraced my sister and sang loudly and beautifully, and to be honest, very obnoxiously, They sang that old Journey song, Don't Stop Believing." Now, it wasn't a Reveille organ or the youth choir or handbells. It was a karaoke song. But you know what I was doing when that song was playing? I was looking at this whole scene, and I was saying silently, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for these six women who have shown such love and support uh, to my sister through very difficult years. Have you ever seen it? Have you ever felt it? Have you ever observed that kind of love? And what if that kind of love is the way the world is really supposed to be? I mean, at the risk of sounding quaint or turning it into a sort of Dionne Warwick or Michael Jackson, We Are the World song, what if it's still true? That that kind of love, that's the way forward. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's what we're seeking And as dangerously quaint or simplistic as it seems, you see, that thought is not entirely foreign to John as we open up his letter this morning. And our particular text highlights it all. It's almost as John writes, he sees two competing forces, two narratives, two competing agendas for the world seeking to have supremacy. He speaks of the world of love, but he also speaks of the world of hate. He uses the example of Cain, who murdered his brother Abel. He talks about words like murder and death and darkness and all of that to describe the way things seem to be so often and without a doubt, especially with the, the harsh and the stark images coming forth to us every day from the Middle East this week. It's not hard to highlight the reality and the presence of this darkness and hatred within terrorism and beyond. But you see what John does? It's like showing a diamond on a dark piece of cloth. And the role of the dark images of hatred are there to highlight and accentuate this premier picture of love. See, John doesn't let the background take over the stage. He underscores that this love really is the way forward. Do you remember all those books that came out a whole bunch of years ago that described people's experiences after they died, went to the afterlife, 
and returned. There was a number of counts of folks who had done that. They came back, wrote books, reported what they had seen. And I recognize some see that with skepticism. Others explain it all away. And I certainly haven't done a complete study. But years ago, I was doing a a sermon series at another church about uh, the afterlife. So I took some time to read a whole bunch of those books. You know, I remember about those stories. They're all different in different contexts and different situations. But almost universally, when they get to that place, you know what they, the first word they use to describe it is love. Deep, a deep, profound sense of love. And as a tangential piece of information, one of the other pieces they comment on is music. Beautiful music. Unbelievable music. Now, I don't know. I can't verify the truth of their experiences, but I will say I hope they are true. But I do think it fair to say biblically that love really is the way things will eventually be. And see what John does in this letter? He speaks to you and to me and every person who reads this account. And he says, you and I are supposed to make this world that way now. With our families, with our marriages, in our communities, in our church, everywhere. We're supposed to make that a reality right here, right now, in this place. To highlight it, he goes to the person, of course, of Jesus Christ. Jesus as the supreme illustration of love. And it's not hard to do. Think of all the places where Jesus lived and where he served people in a way that just like those women served my sister last week. What about the woman at the well? And nobody saw that woman. She was the other. Sat down, visited with her, spoke with her, looked at her, saw her when nobody else saw her. What about the woman caught in adultery? Neither do I condemn you, he said. Go and sin no more. What about all those lepers? Nobody would even look. He saw them and healed them. What about the two grieving women at the graveside? He wept with them. And then he said, roll the stone away. Do you see it? Again and again, Jesus does these things to make sure people are known. They are deeply loved. But it's not just about the way he lived. It's also in the way he died. He goes on to say, this is how, how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. His point being, the premier way Jesus demonstrates his love for us is this. As Paul said, while we are still sinners, Christ dies for us. That's how it proves his love. And he goes on to say, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And that provides us the occasion to reflect on the biblical understanding of love. We're going to talk more about this next week. But here's a reminder that biblical love of which we speak, it's not sort of the the greeting card version, even though that's important and we need every one of those cards in this day and age. See, biblical love, it's more. Biblical love is deeper. Biblical love is firmer. It's grittier. It endures It endures. Because this kind of love, we don't fall into this kind of love. We choose it. We live it. We embrace it. And we pass it on. We don't fall in love, we choose it. You know, in the words of the New York Times bestselling author Bob Goff, he says and reminds us that that love does. I don't know if you've seen that book or seen any of his videos But he goes through all these stories, and he does these unique, crazy things, spontaneous things, out-of-the-box things, trying to communicate to people that they are loved. And he reminds us that love isn't just about saying it. Love is about doing these things, and sometimes we need to get outside the box. Maybe you saw my email this past week, and you know that we are well into building this habitat house just across that wall right there. Now, at some point, we're going to have a chance to go out there and sign the frames and the wood and the studs and all of that stuff, and we're going to have a chance to write a scripture or a prayer or a blessing on there for the family who will eventually live there. But while I was out there uh, this week, I took a picture of a heart that was on one of the framing pieces of the Habitat build, and I invite you to think about that. 
Think about the difference between that image and the heart images we often use when we're on social media, right? When you click a like button, when you click a love button, when you click a heart emoji. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Again, we need every bit of it in this day and age. But you see, when you place a heart on the walls of a house for somebody who's currently living in poverty, that's very different, right? Now, the heart emoji is nice on Facebook, but that heart on that house out there changes the life because love in action, it actually changes people. It changes us. It changes the world. It changes things. That's what John said. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And friends, that's the reason why it is so vital and important that you and I make a pledge in this season of stewardship. You see it? Our pledge is the way that we build a house instead of clicking like on Facebook. Maybe that seems a little strong to get out of the gate. But allow me to explain with a story. Uh, years ago, I was serving a different church, and we were in the middle of a big financial campaign trying to build a church, create room for everybody. And one of the roles of the senior pastor is to meet with lead givers, people who have a capacity to make a large gift that can kind of introduce the campaign to the congregation, get some momentum going and all of that. I did that, but I was very inexperienced, very green in all of that. And a couple came into my office. He was a leader in the government for the state of Virginia. And you know what I did? I launched in one of those flowery church speeches, right? All that church language, all that flowery language about generosity and this and that, I kind of got going on that stuff. I'd, I never got, I just spoke all these flowery words. He finally interrupted me. He said, Pete, what do you want? And I said, well, we're hoping you prayerfully consider giving this amount to help us lead this. He goes, I can't do that, but I'll do this. So a 30-minute meeting was scheduled was over in like six or seven minutes. <laughs> the point is I've learned the hard way that it really is helpful to be clear and to be candid when it comes to church and money, because Jesus was. And today you get to be the recipient of that lesson for good or bad. So let me be very clear in what we are asking, because it's no different from what we say to new members as we meet with them in a class and talk about the expectations of membership in the church. We quote that familiar question, will you support this church by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And what we ask is that every member, every long-term visitor, Make a pledge. And in completing that pledge, we ask each member or long-term visitor to prayerfully commit a sacrificial portion of our incomes with the goal of making our way to the tithe. That's how we frame it. And we are asking you to do that this week. Now, you can go online, and you can fill out that pledge or you can complete the pledge card, it's in your bulletin, bring it back next week. But also know that next Sunday, this coming Sunday, a week from today, at all three services, we're going to take some time to bring those cards forward, we're going to place them on the altar and commit them to the work of the church for the coming year. So we invite you to bring a copy of that card in next week. If you fill the pledge out online, simply bring in a copy of it with you uh, to worship. But we do this in all, all this because we want our love to be grounded in action. Kind of love what John speaks, of which John speaks. Kind of love that actually changes the world. The kind of love that Jesus offered. The kind of love that will ultimately reign in this world and beyond. You know, friends, it's just never easy for the church to speak to the issues of money. But if we are to love according to Jesus... It's mandatory that we do it well. And so next week we're going to talk more about this. But this morning, as John said, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Take my life and let it be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee Take my moments and my days Let them flow in ceaseless praise Take my love, my Lord, I pour at Thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for Thee. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, we give you thanks for all of the moments in our lives when we have felt, when we have seen, when we have experienced love in our lives. We are reminded this day, oh God, that only love can drive out hate. And we pray that you would help us to love one another. Help us not to be boastful or arrogant or rude. Help us instead to act with patience and kindness toward one another. Help us to lift up the interest of others as well as ourselves in all that we say, and all that we do. And we thank you also, O God, for your great love for our world and for each of us. And we thank you that nothing can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we pray for this world around us. We continue to pray for Israel and Palestine and all that is happening in the Middle East. We pray for Ukraine and for wherever there is conflict and war in the world around us. And we pray for your peace. We pray for our country and for the leaders of our country. And we pray that you would guide them and help them to govern with love and compassion and with justice. We pray for anyone who is sick in any way, in mind, body, or spirit, those who are dealing with cancer, those who are facing surgery, those who are recovering from surgery. We pray for those who are grieving this day. Bring them comfort and healing and strength and peace. And we pray for the church, for Reveille Church, for our partner churches in Swansboro, Koinonia Christian Church, and Love Center of Unity, for the church universal. We pray that you would help the church be the means through which your love is formed in people through which your love is shared in the world around us and help us to continue to use our resources and our gifts here to bring your love to the world around us. Hear our prayers this day, O oh God, and now in the silence of our hearts we lift up to you any personal concerns that we may have. Hear our prayers, O God, for we praise you and we glorify you and ask that you bless us and keep us all as we ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Before we take our offering this morning, I'm going to invite Steve Holtyke, our church council chair, to, to come forward to give us a word this morning. Good morning. It's great to see everybody here on a fantastic uh, October morning here. So um, good to see everyone here. Um, as we go into offering here, I'd like to go ahead and share with you uh, where uh, the leadership of the church, as represented with the church council and uh, other committees, uh, stand in supporting this year's stewardship campaign. As Pete mentioned, um, we're really challenging uh, the congregation, both members and longtime visitors, to go ahead and uh, uh, contribute to a pledge. And we're seeking to do 100 percent participation by by this congregation. And we worked within the church council this year to kind of create this vision. We're uh, creating these ministry areas that we've been talking about uh, throughout the year. We have the project outside. And a lot of that deals with money. And so as part of this campaign, we challenged ourselves as a leadership group here to say, can we go ahead and kick off the stewardship campaign with a demonstrated commitment of a 100% pledge? And so I'm happy to go ahead and report here that uh, leadership within the church uh, over this past week here has been uh, uh, making their pledges, and we do have a 100% commitment from church leadership uh, for next year's campaign. And with that 100% uh, uh, commitment, we're already over 400000 towards our goal uh, for next year here. So um, as you kind of go into prayer here for the offering, uh, I'd like for you to go ahead and this week just think about kind of uh, your participation and, and, and your stewardship for next year's campaign. Thank you. And now I invite our ushers to come forward that we may return to God our tithes and our offering this day.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for the gift of love. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who showed his love for us by laying down his life for us. We thank you for the power of Christ, which does indeed uplift. We return back to you now uh, a portion of the gifts that you have given us. We give back to you now also our prayers, our presence, our service, and our witness. Take all that we give to you now. Bless them, multiply them, and use them for your glory and for your kingdom. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is number 581. And now the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be with you now and forevermore as we go in peace and as all God's people say, amen. Amen.